Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you once again to Impact Cyber Church. And if this is your first time, welcome aboard. You know something? We are broadcasting in every nation in the world. So if you're new to this, pop us an email at Impact Ministries. Go to my website, impactministries.com, and pop us an email. And just let me know where you're from and how you heard about this and what's happening in your life. You know, we constantly get emails from people all over the world talking about the incredible things that are happening in their life because, because they have, even though it's not your, your traditional church that you would go into and meet in, a, in one building with one group of people, we are a group of people who are of like faith, who believe that God is a good God. We are a group of people who say, I want to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And even though we're not coming together in the same building, in the same place, we are coming together as one people, one heart, one mind in Christ. Jesus, and that's why we call it Impact Cyber Church. Well, as you know, for the last five weeks, we have been talking about three days that changed the world. We're talking about the, the most powerful, pivotal point in all of world history, but ultimately the most powerful, pivotal point in all of eternity. And that pivotal point was the three days and three nights that Jesus spent on the cross, in the grave, and to the resurrection, and then ultimately to his ascension and being seated at the right hand of God. Every aspect of our salvation has to do with what we believe about what happened from the cross to the throne. You know, Romans 10, uh, 9 and 10 is one of those scriptures where, where uh, it's one of those cornerstone scriptures about getting saved or the process of getting saved. And it says, you know, it says that if, if, uh, if we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, if we confess him as Lord, that we shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, one of the first problems that we have with that scripture is this. We uh, pretty much limit the definition of salvation to the born-again experience. And, and man, that is, a, that is a gross limitation of what God is actually giving us through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Really, uh, uh, the born-again experience is just the initial renewing that happens in us that makes us capable, the Bible says, of even perceiving the kingdom of God. It makes us capable. It doesn't automatically make these things happen. It makes us capable of, uh, of operating in an, in, in an authority um, as people who have been raised from the death of sin. It gives us the, it gives us the potential power, if you will, uh, that the Bible calls grace to be who God says we are, to do what God says we can do, to overcome sin, to get physically healed, to live a new life. And so unfortunately, when we read the word salvation, we tend to limit that word. Now, some of you have heard me talk about this, and you know our Bible school students have heard me talk about this for years. 
If you have a word that you have culturally or traditionally translated, uh, or, or, or when you would read the word, you would think of a translation that is either incorrect or, or maybe not a complete translation. And, and, and let me say something. Just because it's not a complete, completely correct does not mean, does not mean it's wrong. You know, uh, there are different words in the Greek New Testament for truth. And one of the words that has to do with truth is, is a partial truth. It's true, but it's not a complete truth. But then there's an idea of a truth that is, that is more complete than some other truth that, we, that we've heard. Now, our problem is we, we think all truth is black and white, and, and uh, we, we tend to come up with very static, fixed definitions of words. But if, if when you read the word salvation, when you're reading the Bible, and I hope you're reading the Bible. If you're not reading the Bible, I don't know. I don't know what you're doing, and I don't know what you expect to happen in your life. But if you're a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, you should be reading your Bible. You should be seeking first and foremost to understand who Jesus is. You, you, need, you need to get your foundation, your new covenant foundation, in the teachings of Jesus because the way you're going to interpret and apply everything that the whole Bible says is going to be based on the way Jesus said to interpret it and the way Jesus said to apply it. And even the epistles that were later written by the apostles, they were based on Jesus' interpretation of all of the old, what we call the Old Testament scriptures, but they're all based on Jesus' teaching and how to apply that now. So, so when you're reading the Bible, and as a disciple, you're reading the Bible prayerfully. You read the Bible saying, more than anything else, I want to know God more than anything else. As I read this, Father, I want to connect with you through the Lord Jesus. And, and I want, as I read this, whatever I, whatever I can apply to my life and how I can apply this to my life, I want you to show me. I want you to open my heart up, show me how to live in this and walk in this today. That's what a disciple does. A disciple is always seeking to live like the master lives. And so if Jesus is our Lord, then he is our master by choice, not by force. He's not forcing himself on us. And so we're seeking you know, to, to know what he knows, but also to live, take what he knows and then live the way he lives based on that information. So you're reading the Bible and you're reading it prayerfully, but let's say that every time you read the word saved or the word salvation, in your mind, you think about being born again. That is not an incorrect uh, definition. It's just not a complete definition. Now, remember, faith works on what you know, the, de the degree of truth that you know, and whether or not you trust that truth to be real in your life. That, that, that's kind of what it gets down to. And so if, you, if the only thing you know about salvation is that salvation is the born-again experience, then you're going to be one of those people who, you know, your life will probably get better from coming to know the Lord, or it could get worse, you know, because you might not really know how to walk in what you have in Jesus, and you may kind of live foolishly, and, you know, you're just kind of, you got your ticket punched to get to heaven, and you're just kind of trying to endure planet Earth while you're waiting to get to heaven. So what you do when there's a word that you have a limited uh, uh, understanding of that word, and suddenly you come to realize, wait a minute, it means much more than that. Then, and, and like the word salvation, 
And I, I've said this to you, you know, thousands of times. Word salvation means saved or born again, healed, delivered, blessed, prospered, protected, made whole, sanctified, set apart. In other words, salvation includes everything that God has ever given to us to improve our quality of life. If you want, to, that's really just the basic way to understand it. That's why the Bible uses, in many terms, or many places, it will use this terminology. It will say that we are being saved. Man, some people read that and their head blows up because they're like, no, I've been saved. I know I'm saved. And they think that the term being saved is in conflict with having been saved. No, we've been saved. We have been born again. We, we know that. But the question is, am I being saved today? Am I being delivered from Whatever opposition I'm facing today, am I overcoming the temptations that, that, that are challenging me today? Am I living victoriously today? Because all of that is salvation. But you see, like so many words in the Greek language or even in the Hebrew language, these words are not static. They are not fixed. They are not one-time events. Uh, uh, they may begin at one point in time, but they have to do with continuing in the faith, continuing in this walk, continuing in this journey. It's a walk of faith. It's not a sit of faith. So if you know that there's a broader uh, definition of a word, and remember, the Bible was not written in English. Never, ever, ever use an English dictionary to look up any word anywhere in the Bible. That was one of the first pieces of advice my very first pastor ever gave me, and he turned around and pulled out a... Uh, 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 Greek Hebrew analytical concordance, and he showed me how to look up words in, in a concordance. He said, when you want to know what a word means in the Bible, you look it up. If it's in the New Testament in a Greek concordance, if it's in the Old Testament in the Hebrew Chaldee concordance, and he said, you find out what the original language said, because that's the meaning that you want to believe. And I'll tell you, that was life-changing for me. So, <clears throat> Every time I come across the word saved or salvation, in my mind, I don't, I will, I will change. I, like, like I, don't, I don't read Romans 10 and say, uh, say that, you know, whoever uh, 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 believes in the heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, confess him, Lord, shall be saved. I say, whoever believes in the heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, confess him, his Lord, shall be saved, healed, delivered, blessed, prospered, protected, and made whole, set apart. And, and, you know, and I just go, just, I put the whole definition out there. And I do that every time I read the word saved. There's a host of words that I grew up as a Christian, not, not from childhood. I didn't get saved until I was, until I was 21. But there's a host of words that just my few couple of years of going to a denominational church gave me a very limited definition. And every time I read those words, I silently and sometimes verbally give the whole definition so that I make sure that I'm on track. So Romans 10, 9 and 10 is not simply talking about how to get born again. It's talking about how to experience every aspect of salvation. Now, every aspect of salvation is dependent upon 
what Jesus accomplished on the cross. In other words, through the death, burial, and resurrection, and whether or not we believe it. That's why salvation is contingent upon believing that God raised Jesus from the dead, because, because our salvation is all about what was accomplished on the cross, in the grave, and in the resurrection, and then ultimately uh, in the ascension and at the right hand of God. What did, what did he receive as, as a result of that? So, so everything I believe about Jesus, I have to be able to look back at the cross of Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection, ascension, and the receiving of the inheritance. I have to look back at that and say, what is, what, what, what is revealed about this part of salvation? You know, if I'm dealing with physical healing, I have to go, I have to go back and, 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 and make sure. Now, I don't have to do this now because I've, I've walked in this for so many years. But in the beginning, I have to go back and make sure, did, was this issue solved through the death, burial, and resurrection? You know, in 1983, I got healed of a lifetime congenital disorder. I, I was born with a congenital disorder that, that uh, by the time I was 28 years old, I had, I had cysts in my ureters. I had, my ureters were deformed. I had, I had tumors. And um, uh, my kidneys had reduced to a third of the size of normal. I had renal cysts, you know, on, uh, on, on both kidneys. And, uh, and, and really was really getting close to dying. And uh, so, you know, I walked that out and got healed. 1983, I was, I was healed. I was made well. I was made whole. But I was facing monumental debt. Now, I walked out this whole thing of, of healing based on communing with Jesus around what he co accomplished uh, through his death, burial, and resurrection. And, and, you know, a lot of people say, well, why did it take you so long? I'll tell you why. You know, when you have uh, uh, gone 28 years with a disease and it finally gets so bad that you are incapacitated and you're in and out of the hospital and you're sick every day and you're in pain every day and, and you're taking medication to say, alive, I got news for you. That makes it, that makes your heart become overwhelmed by the circumstances. It makes it hard for your heart to believe that healing is really yours. And so, so the whole process of persuading your heart, you see that, if you believe something is yours intellectually, you see it's in the Scripture, you see Jesus took care of this at the cross, the question is, how, how are you going to persuade your heart? How is that going to become a present tense reality to you? And so it took me, it took me from, uh, from uh, 1978 uh, to 1983 to walk out of a congenital genetic disease. And uh, praise God. But man, I was overwhelmed with debt by this time. I mean, I'm telling you, I was deep, deep, deep in debt because I went through most of that with no insurance. And at one point in time, I was on an experimental drug that was costing me, I believe it was $125 a day. And this was back in the 70s. And I didn't have insurance. And so I had doctor bills, I had hospital bills, I had drug bills stacked up, stacked up. I missed work uh, in, out, in and out of the hospital. All these things happened in my life. So, so I'm healed, but I am not just broke. I am, I am living in, in, on the verge of total financial destruction. And so Brenda and I began to seek God about this. And, 
And we would talk about it every night, and we would share scriptures about it, and, you know, we would talk it through. And, and what was interesting, I can remember the night that I realized at the same time Jesus purchased my salvation, my born-again experience, at that same time, He purchased my healing. At the same time He purchased my born-again experience and, and my right for healing, He purchased my, my deliverance from poverty and my right to prosperity. And once I saw that it was settled at the cross, that all things come back to the cross, once I realized that, it was able for me then, easy for me, excuse me, to persuade my heart. So, so when we talk about, when Paul said, you know, that, that the cross is the power of God, when, when Paul talked about how that, you know, that, that he, he didn't preach anything except the cross, what he meant by that is all he preached, the gospel that he preached was all about what happened on the cross, in the grave, and through the resurrection. What was the outcome of all of that? And I, and I got news for you. If you're not basing everything you believe, and if you're a preacher and listening to me, and you're not basing everything you preach on the cross of Christ, then you might need to reevaluate why you believe what you believe or why you preach what you preach. And many times preachers are preaching things that are based on the cross, but they don't take their congregation back and show them that it's based on the cross. Now see, faith in Jesus isn't faith that Jesus lived. That's not just believing that, that this man called Jesus lived and walked the earth. Faith in Jesus is believing that that man also became our sin, died the death that we deserve was alienated from God and use his faith to be to be raised from the dead. And it is through his faith his that brought about his resurrection. We talked about that last week. And if you're man, if you're new to this broadcast this week, you might want to go back and listen uh, to the last five of these messages so you can get on board with this because your head might explode otherwise otherwise. So so Jesus on the cross We've talked about this. He brought about what is called an exchange. I call it the great exchange. Now, the word exchange, you, you, the word exchange is used in the Hebrew, but you don't see it as the word exchange. Uh, the word exchange is used in the Greek, but you don't see it as the word exchange. In the Greek, it's the word reconciled. The word reconciled means to exchange. And so on the cross... We talked about this last week. There was an exchange, and Jesus became our sin that we might become His righteousness. Having become our sin, He had to live in and suffer all of the consequences that we would have had to suffer. And then He had to use His faith to come out of that, to rise above that. And we, because He used His faith and overcame that, we get to live the life that his faith deserved, that his victory deserved. Now, Ephesians, the first chapter, and we're going we're to run through this. And, and let me tell you something. The whole world needs to hear this message. I want you to help me get this out to the whole world. Listen, we have, we have financial partners called World Changers that help us every single month to get these videos out all over the world, to start Bible schools all over the world. We are 
committed to raising up one billion disciples that believe the truth about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ as the Bible teaches it, not just some general truth about it. And I'd like to invite you to help us do that. Listen, go to impactministries.com and check on the, uh, on the World Changer section and, and, and help us do this. I telling you, we're going to reach and raise up one billion disciples, but we can't do it without your help. Now, listen to this. And this is the kind of stuff, this is the kind of stuff that people who go through our school of ministry know and teach. Paul says in, in Ephesians 1, verse 16, he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. Now, that word glory, remember, we've talked about this before. That word glory it, you know, it's the, it's, the, it's the splendor, it's the greatness, it's the brightness, all, it's all of these things. But crouched within that definition, the word glory is the view, opinion, and reality. So that's one of those words for, you know, that when I, every time I read the glory of God, I usually say the view, the, the opinion, the reality. See, God is the father of glory. He is the father of greatness, of splendor, of of majesty, of goodness, of kindness, and all of these things. But all of these things exist because that is His reality. That is, that is the ultimate truth. And we can participate in any reality we choose. We can participate in God's reality, or we can participate in our vain imagination, our version of reality. So, so He said, I'm praying that the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Now, we talked in weeks past about, about how that revelation knowledge is not where God shows you something that's hidden from everybody else. Uh, revelation knowledge is what the Word of God says. All you got to do is believe it. There's, you don't need a special revelation to have revelation knowledge. You just got to believe what God already revealed. But he goes on to say in verse 18, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. So I want you to have wisdom. I want your eyes of your understanding to be enlightened that you may know. Now, he's going to give you three things here that he wants you to know, and this is essential to resurrection life. If you want to live resurrection life, if you want to enter into this exchange that, that uh, God created and that, that the Word of God invites us to participate in, then, here, then, then here's what you're doing. He says, I want you to know this. I want you to hold this. I want you to know what is the hope of his calling. Now, this is really important. You know, for the, all the years that I've walked with God, most of the emphasis uh, that people have is, what is my calling? What, you know, what am I called to do? And so people have this idea of having a calling and an anointing that is kind of separate from, from Jesus. I, you see, the truth is, if we are in Christ, and we're going to talk about this in, in, sometimes within the next couple of weeks, if we are in Christ, then we share in His calling. And our life is to be about the same thing His life was about. It's not, you know, I, I don't really care uh, about my individual calling. I'll, I'll find my way into my indi individual calling. As a matter of fact, the person that commits themselves to what Jesus was committed to will always find their their individual calling. The person that, that believes they're in Jesus and they share the same anointing that he has, they're not looking for another anointing. They're not trying, seeking God to try to get another anointing. The truth is the apostle John pointed out that that was a cult doctrine. That was not even, that's not biblical. That's not scriptural. He says, you need to know 
what the hope, the confident expectation of his calling is. In other words, I want to know everything about his calling. I want to know every reason that his calling should give me hope. I want to know everything about how I can be one with his calling, how I can live in, in his purpose. And his main purpose was to reveal God to the world in the way he taught and the way he treated people and, and his manner of speech, his manner of life. And so it's all about his calling. And he says, the next he says, and I want you to know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, his inheritance. Now, you see, I hear people for years, I don't, I don't hear it as much now, but I'll tell you what, the first 20 years I was a Christian, you'd hear these people always talking about their covenant with God, their covenant with God. Well, if you have an individual covenant with God, then several things happen. Number one, then, you are the one who has to uphold your part of that covenant. And if you, if you fail at any part, then that covenant de deteriorates. And secondly, then the inheritance that you receive as a result of that covenant uh, is based on something other than what Jesus inherited. Now, he says, I want you to know what the riches of the glory of his inheritance, the glory, the, the splendor, the greatness, the majesty, but also that's based on God's view, God's opinion, God's reality. <clears throat> so we are in Christ Jesus. And the Bible says we are joint heirs with him. In other words, we are not participating in an inheritance that we have received separate from God because we are not in a separate covenant with God. We are in Jesus, therefore we share in the covenant that God made with Him. And because He won that battle, He, he lived without sin even though He became sin. He trusted God even though He'd been alienated from God and was ultimately raised from the dead and when he was raised from the dead, he received an inheritance. And because we are in him, that's the inheritance that we share. But you know something? We got to know about that inheritance. We got to believe in that inheritance. We got to know that it is ours based on the fact that we're in Jesus. And then here's where it really gets catchy. And I'll tell you what, we won't even make it through all of this this week, but we'll get a good start on it. Verse 19 says, and I want you to know, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? Now, if he stopped right there, you could just kind of go anywhere with this, but he doesn't. He says, this power that works in people who believe, it doesn't work in everybody in the world. Even though Jesus died for the whole world, it doesn't work for everybody in the world. It works in those who believe. Who believe what? Who believe what he accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection. He said, it's according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Now, we're not even going to go into verse 21 yet because that's just more than we get into right now. But you see, the power that works in us is the power that worked in Jesus to raise him from the dead. See, the only reason I can confidently believe that sin has no power over me is because Jesus had to conquer the power of sin to be raised from the dead. I'm in him. 
I share in, in, that, in that victory. The only reason I can believe that, that, that I can always win is because in Him I'm more than a conqueror. In Him I share in the victory that He has. See, He became sickness and disease. So the reason I believe I can get healed every time is because He conquered sickness and disease in order to come up out of the grave. Every battle that Jesus won becomes our victory. And the power that worked in Jesus, which He participated in by His faith, that power is available to us through Him, and we participate in by our faith. I want to tell you something. God wants you to have, in this exchange, He wants you to have everything that Jesus obtained by being raised from the dead. Listen, I want you to help me reach people all over the world. A couple of things real quick, like at the end of this broadcast, be sure and take a moment. So if you're watching this on YouTube, subscribe to this. If you're not watching on YouTube, go to go on YouTube and subscribe to this so uh, people all over the world will hear this. I'm going to talk to you again next week, and you're going to be glad you heard this. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.